Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. I am your host Andy and I am once again joined by my three regulars, Alex, Naeem and Ryan. How are you boys? Yeah, yeah hello. Bye. I'm doing very good, thank you. Yeah, all good, all good, mate. All good here. And you, Ryan, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. Thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, it's um, that, time, that time of the weekend. We're once again going to talk all things European football. Um, and yeah, we're, we're going to go through each league one by one. Same format as last week. We're going to all go through our league, league roundups. And then we will go focusing on one team each from each of our respective leagues. Uh, we will have a change up next week for a very exciting uh, podcast format next week. But for now, we're sticking to the um, same format as last week and we are going to go from league to league. So the first league in question this week is going to be uh, probably the, the, the well, one of the most exciting leagues in terms of end of the season we've got. So without further ado, I will take you to the Euro expert. Uh, check out his Twitter. Uh, and yeah, Alex, so how's how's the league going this week? I have to correct you. It's the most exciting league this weekend. <laughs> it's the one to be looking at. It is the title race. So we'll just give a bit of background first to so those of who might be listening for the first time. Lille have been crawling to the title. Um, their first title would be since 2012. They've been crawling there all season. And they're one game away. They almost blew it last weekend. They uh, drew nil-nil um, against San Etienne. San Etienne, by the way, if you're ever watching Liga and don't watch San Etienne, they're horrible to watch. Um, I mean, I can just say they've got one player, Wabi Kazri, and that's kind of all you need to know. If Sunderland reject, it doesn't get much worse than that. Anyway, Lille kind of blew it last weekend. A little. And PSG won 4-0. So it means going into this weekend, if you're watching Liga for the first time, and it'll be the last time of the season, Lille are currently top. They are one point ahead of PSG. They're on 80 points. PSG on 79 points. That means on the final day when all the games kick off at 8pm this Sunday, if Lille do not match PSG's score, they have they have officially fucked it up. They've officially messed it up. They've officially come second in Ligue 1. I mean, theoretically, if Monaco wins 6-0, they could even come third. So they need to match PSG's score. And... It would be... It, it, they're playing Anja, which... They're basically the English equivalent of Crystal... Uh, the English? The, the French equivalent of Crystal Palace. Um, they're quite old. They play long ball football. You can't ever write them off, though, because they built Lille 2-1 earlier in the season. Quite a damaging result early in the title race. Uh, whereas PSG played Brest, or quite a plucky side, but they're more likely to breeze past Brest, too. Their manager's recently come out and said he can't... Interesting thing, because um, it's something we always see. The manager has actually recently come out and said that he can't motivate them anymore for this season. They're just, because they've secured safety and they're not getting into Europe, they just kind of stopped trying about 10 games ago. Interesting thing to throw out there. So, like I said, which means PSG are likely to win, and the pressure is all on Lille. And to see if they can do it, see if Barakio Maz's men can uh, lead Lille there. I think they will. I hope they will, Rafa. Um, Elsewhere in Liga, just as a, a, a quick thing, there is a bit of a relegation battle still on the final day. Very interesting, actually. There are, from 18th to uh, 13th, there's only two points between those teams. Uh, there are three teams on 41 points, two teams on 42 points, and Nantes are currently 18th on 40 points. So, if any of Nantes, Lorient, Brest, Strasbourg, Bordeaux, and RM uh, lose, they could, uh, they could mess up. But like I said, Brest are... Bresso at the upper end of that. They're probably not going to have that. And um, not 
none i think will be the ones to stay up but we'll have to see about that but uh yeah that's what's happening in france this weekend I actually, uh, I actually watched some, some of the. I actually watched the Lille game on 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 the weekend. I actually, I saw it on. I thought, you know what? Oh, what, Lille v Saint Etienne. Yeah, I went to watch oh. that game. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> one thing I did know is I, I I found the most. I found very interesting commentary. So I don't think you can get away with in England if they did that in England, where literally there was. I think there there's some. I think some the analyst on this commentary, his team, he had some French team he likes who, who scored a goal. He, he like was going, yes, like on the commentary. And I think if he did that in England, if, if um, <laughs> say if you're watching Man City play Man U and then Liverpool score in the game at the same time and Jamie Carragher went, yes. Well, he did it. He did it the weekend when Alisson scored. You, 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 yeah. <laughs> he had a lot of fun on the... It's not like he's having a lot of fun on the mic. But uh, I guess the, the commentators in France, so they're... Interesting thing, actually, another thing you don't get. So there's kind of a split. Just uh, This might seem relevant, but it goes. Um, there's kind of a split between them. So there's two... Uh, well, there, there's about four or five of them that commentate from the English side, and they are deeply ingrained in French football. They're mm. like, they've been there for a very long time, and they host a podcast called Le Bourgeois, it's in tandem with BT Sport, and they're they're really well liked, really good comments, just in general. Like they know their stuff, they try and get their facts correct. They have a lot of banter, very interesting people. And then you've kind of got the Steve McManaman side of these two commentators who don't watch France often, and whenever they're on, it's just an instant right mute the TV. So that's just just something. Whenever it's eight o'clock on a Sunday, that's that's those are the comments that tend to happen. So maybe um, maybe don't watch. Uh, Liga on this Sunday on sound. Instead, he could tune into my watch along and have my own commentary. It's a smooth plug there. Well, <laughs> I, I may well have to join you now because I'm definitely going to watch it on Sunday. I mean, I, obviously, you've got the last day of the Premier League on Sunday as well. And I think I will definitely look at, you know, given that, given that watch, I think, yeah, I think same Spanish football is not part of Sky or BT. But so I, I will be watching the, the Liga and conclusion. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing whether they can do it because I think it's always nice when teams, you know, who don't win the league every year like you know that like like the PSG buy and they win it every year but I think it's always nice to see a team who you weren't expecting to win it go on yeah exactly it. it's either going to be the best win in French football history or the biggest bottle in French football history yeah. so it'll be fun to see what it is <laughs> but just just something I want as well quickly mention you mentioned there about the commentators and I was watching the um RB Leipzig Wolfsburg game on uh, BT Sport as well mm-hmm. and the commentators on there were brilliant I mean they had a German guy who spoke really good English and he was very knowledgeable but like you say with the commentators in France at least when they actually are biased when they're watching the team that they support they don't try and hide it like the English commentators do the likes of Jermaine Genus for one who <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the bias in their, in their voice and you can hear the anger when they lose but they try and like mask it in such a way it it comes off so bad. So Jane Junius is like as a neutral who loves Spurs. That's Junius all over. Cool. <laughs> I, I'm going to defend them here. I'm going to defend these comments. Right? So I think I think sometimes it's just human. It's just human instinct. If you have a team you love, and I think sometimes in heat the moment, I think sometimes you. It's, it's I think it's so hard for anyone to like. Imagine oh. like say you and like Liam and Ryan for example. If you were both BT Sport or Sky Sports pundits, and you were watching, you were doing the Arsenal game, and then they scored like a last minute winner to get to Champions League final, or they scored, 
last yeah, yeah. minute to win a Premier game. I think it's just, I mean, I'd be the same with Liverpool. I think you just, it's just natural. I think that's true, but the counter to it is, the counter to it would be, you have to be honest about it. So, like, if Jermaine yeah. Genus jumps up when Tottenham scores, like when Tottenham won against Ajax, when he was like, I can't believe it. It was like, that's a nice moment. But if he's, like, engaging in the debate about, if, if he's engaging in a debate about Tottenham, and he's like trying to say he's neutral when he's obviously not. I think that's when it goes a bit messy. But that's just... yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Genius. I, I like Genius myself, so I like <laughs> him as a pundit. So I am. Um... That's that, yeah. that. That's why, in my opinion, they shouldn't have commentators. They shouldn't have like Jamie Carragher on a Liverpool game. I mean, mm. Jamie. Oh Carragher no, no. And... I think I think it makes it more fun. Well, it it does. I mean, Carragher and Neville are a bit different because you, although they do support those teams, they can sort of you can still put up with it anyway in a sense but um especially with some of the other commentators like you say like they don't it doesn't it doesn't come off well and yeah it it does craze me it's, it is more towards the bt kind of thing but they do also have some good pundits as well so yeah i mean uh, you could go back to um obviously the experts who's the guy I think, what's his name the, the german the, he's british but he's like a german expert he's quite good to listen to what is it ralph something oh ralph, oh, ralph, ralph Honigstein. yeah yeah he's he's well i think he's one of those underrated i think underrated pundits i think on on yeah, tv fact, let alone let the, alone just bt the champions league um the guys who uh who used to be well i don't I think they still are on like, the champions league sort of pre-game show and you know like bring all the scores together they sort of commentate on on all the scores you got him and julian Lorenz and uh, people like that you know they they're the kind of pundits that i can sit and listen to because they know what they're talking about not the likes of paul merson and matt letizia who just talk out of their ass i feel like i derailed this yeah <laughs> <laughs> they have gone off slightly off topic yeah, bringing it back to um, the, pod- the podcast format, um, <laughs> I think it's time to go to um, go to Espana for, for our, ne- our next chat. So, Naeem, what's happening in Spain? Not much. Not joking. Uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> not a round of fixtures. Yeah, they saw ten games kicking off at the same time um, last weekend. So the league leaders, Atletico Madrid, they were at home to Osasuna, uh, which saw them go one nil down in the seventy fifth minute. But two goals in the last 10 minutes from Lodi and Luis Suarez uh, keeps them top of the table by two points going into the final day. Um, below them, Real Madrid got a narrow 1-0 away win to Atletico Bilbao. Uh, at one point during this game, Real Madrid actually were top of the table, but um, obviously Atletico Madrid turned it around in the end, so obviously they leapfrogged them again. Uh, there's still a chance for Real Madrid to win the league, but all Atletico Madrid have to do is match Real Madrid's results and they'll win the league. Even though the 12-13 point lead they had earlier on in the season has only come down to two points now. Uh, there's talk of Zidane leaving at the end of the season with either Max Allegri or Raul as the f- uh, favourites for the job. With Carlo Ancelotti, I think he's like third favourite, but um, I'm not too sure whether he will leave Everton. But if Real Madrid come uh, crawling, I'm guessing he would go back. Uh, Barcelona lost again at home to Celta Vigo 2-1 after Lionel Messi opened the scoring with his 30th league goal of the season. Uh, this, this defeat means that they haven't won at home in the last three games, which obviously has faulted their title chances and they, they were pretty much out of it last weekend. Uh, in fourth place, Sevilla, they lost 4-0 away to Villarreal with Carlos Baca, if you remember him, getting a hat-trick uh, against Sevilla with... Um, Alberto Moreno scoring 
Uh, Amigo. Do you remember him, Andy? Oh, but with, 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 with a lot of pain. With a lot of pain, I remember, I remember that man. <laughs> lovely guy. I was a lovely guy from what I've heard. But, yeah, he was absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. awful for us. He's pretty much a bench player now at Villarreal, to be fair. But... Quite rightly. Quite rightly. <laughs> um, yeah, down at the bottom of the table, um, Ibar, they still remain bottom with a 4-1 away defeat to Valencia. 19th place, Real Valladolid. They lost 4-1 away to Real Sociedad. They went 4-0 up in the first half, Real Sociedad, and uh, Real Valladolid just getting a consolation goal at the end. Elche, in 18th place, they got a much-needed win against Cadiz, which leaves them level on points with Westgar, who lost 1-0 to Real Betis. So going into the final day of the season, um, the games are actually spread out uh, three days. There's one game tomorrow, which is Levante and Cadiz. Uh, neither team have anything to play for, for that, so that's pretty much just... Uh, box standard game. Um, the games that uh, will have stuff to play for, um, these will be playing on Saturday, so all these games will be kicking off at 5 o'clock. So, the, with down at the bottom of the table, obviously, uh, the, all, f- all four teams can get uh, relegated still. So, uh, we got Ibar against Barcelona, so they're rock bottom and they got Barcelona who haven't got anything to play for. So, you'd, you'd expect Barcelona to just go out with a win at the end of the season and probably relegate Ibar. The next game we want to look at is 18th place Elche. They've got Atletico Bilbao, so they haven't got anything else to play for either, so Elche might fancy their chances there. Huesca, who are are level on points um, with Elche, but um, I think their head-to-head is better, so um, that makes them them on 33 points each. They've got Valencia, who well, yeah, they haven't got anything to play for either, so all they really need to do is match Elche's results um, or win, and then that will that will see Elche, Real Valladolid and Ibar go down. Uh, Real Valladolid, they've got a tough um, task with playing Atletico Madrid, so I can't see them beating Atletico Madrid, because if Atletico Madrid lose, then Real Madrid know that they can win. But Real Madrid got Villarreal... Um, as well, so really, Real will probably rest players for the Europa League um, next Wednesday, and Real Madrid. Well, they can still kind of win the league, but it's going to be a bit of a tall ask asking Real Valladolid to do them a favour. And then on the Sunday, we've got Granada against Getafe. That's just another like mid-table clash. And Sevilla, they got Alaves, um, who are fifteen. So. Yeah, the game to look out for, yeah, the teams uh, that can still get relegated. So, like I said, yeah, uh, it's all to play for um, in the the league right at the moment. So, these teams that are going down in that league, do you think they've got a good chance of of doing what you've seen in mostly with Norwich and Watford this season in England? That you think these teams have got a chance, you know, sort of, you know, going going back up again, back up to La Liga? Um, I'd probably say... I don't know. It's, it's it's a bit of a tricky one. I, I, probably Huesca because they've always they've been in the league here and there. I know they've only just come up this season, but they're kind of a bit like a yo-yo club. They a bit like Norwich, like you were saying. They they just mm. come up this season and just about surviving. Um, the other team that also came up was Cadiz. They're in twelfth place, so uh, they've had a fairly decent season. Obviously staying up, but. Out of the teams, I probably would say probably Huesca probably would mm. be would be the team if they went down to come straight back up. 
Very nice, very nice. Right, so our penultimate league this week is the Premier League, which is obviously this, this is where this is where I, I come into the podcast. So a quick roundup of the Premier League results obviously this week just gone. Obviously everyone knows relegation promotion's already settled with um City already crown champions and obviously Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield all going down this season already. So the one only fight left in the Premier League is for top four. And uh, there were three teams who are trying to fight for two places in the Premier League, if none of you are already aware. It's Chelsea, Liverpool and Leicester. Um, obviously, on the weekend beforehand, um, we saw uh, obviously Chelsea and Leicester both play in the FA Cup final, which was saw Leicester win 1-0 against Chelsea, thanks to a Yuri Tielman's special, well, probably one of the best FA Cup final goals in history. Um, you think of the likes of Gerard, Alexis Sanchez, Di Matteo, all in the past. And I think this goal is definitely going to be up there in terms of the, the the best cup final goals in history. But there was also drama at the end when Ben Chilwell thought he'd equalise against his former club before VAR ruled it out in front of 21,000 fans, which they're calling it the um, the, 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 the fans final. They're, they're calling it, that's what they're calling it at the moment. And I think Leicester, I think everyone was, put, apart from Chelsea fans, I think everyone was wanting Leicester to win. And I think everyone was really happy to see Leicester win a trophy. Me, myself, I was very happy seeing Rodgers win a trophy. I loved him at Liverpool. So I think it was great seeing him win a trophy. But things turned sour the next few days when Leicester did lose to Chelsea in the league. Uh, it was um, quite a feisty end to the game. There was the, uh, almost, there were sort of shadows of that um Battle of the bridge with Spurs Chelsea a few years ago. Um, Timo Werner could have scored twice, but had both goals ruled out for VAR. Um, and obviously, with with the game itself, Chelsea did go on to win two one. Uh, Jorginho and Rudiger, Antonio Rudiger, got the goals for Chelsea before Iheanacho gave Leicester hope. This now leaves the um, Premier League in a very tight position with um, massive points separating the two sides. So looking at the table right now, you've got Chelsea in third with 37 games played, 67 points, and then you've got Liverpool and Leicester on the same amount of points, but a four-point difference, a four-goal difference. So on the weekend coming up, you've got Liverpool at home to Crystal Palace, you've got Chelsea away to Aston Villa, and you've got Leicester playing Spurs. If Chelsea win, they win the top four no matter what. Liverpool win and scored and better Leicester's result in terms of goals scored, they're also in the Champions League. But if Chelsea draw... Um, this leaves the door open for both teams to make the Champions League. Um, I think in terms of goals, I think it's only one point separating Leicester and Chelsea. So I think in terms of that, if Chelsea do draw, um, that would pretty much, I think, go through because they'd be two points clear with both Liverpool and Leicester playing. So I think for Chelsea, it's pretty much their point, 80% now on the way. Uh, obviously, we got four goal swings. But I, I mean, obviously, Leicester could surprise everyone and beat Spurs 4-5-0, but I just can't see that happen myself. So I think they would need... Uh, sort of, you know, they would need Liverpool to lose or draw, essentially. I think it's also, I think we're in good hands to try and get this top four position. But of course, the biggest highlight of the whole week for myself and one and the whole league was on Sunday evening when we were playing West Brom. It was, uh, we'd gone behind, salary equalised, but then late on, 94th minute, goalkeeper Allison scored a header in the box in the last kick of the game, pretty much. He's actually the sixth goalkeeper of all time to score in the Premier League, but the first ever to score with his head. So I think, for me, that I'm still trying to get my breath back from that game, that goal. That was an amazing moment for myself and for my dad as well. We both went absolutely berserk in the lounge. But yeah, overall, I think that is really the only thing left. <clears throat> excuse me. That's the only thing we've got left in the league is top four. Everything else is done. So I think when the final day is on Sunday at three o'clock, four o'clock, whenever the games are, 
Um, I think everyone's going to be tuning in to those three games. I think on the main on Sky main event, I think it's Liverpool Palace. I think that's the one they're focusing on mainly. Um, on that game as well, whilst we're here, um, we will be debuting our new home kit, which is probably the worst home kit I've seen ever at Liverpool. It's <laughs> it's, it's awful. Like, I, I don't know who I don't know who designed this kit. I mean. The one last year was quite nice. I mean, I, I've got it right now, but the one, I'm nowhere I'm buying this one this season. It's absolutely dreadful, in my opinion. I mean, the actual middle of it's okay. The sort of the diagonal stripes is, is really nice, but for me, it's the orange thing, the orange um, bits on the sleeves and on the on the collar bit. It's just I, it doesn't feel right. It just feels a bit weird, and I, I don't like it. So I don't know what you boys think about. Um, for, also, your your kit, the Arsenal kits are very nice, but I don't know what you think of this um, little we- kit. We are the king of kits, you know, in the league, without a doubt. I think every kit we've had under Adidas has been spot on. You know, it's the only thing we have going for us. But um, there are some dreadful kits in the league, though. I would say Chelsea have the worst. I I, I like that kit. I have it. It looks like (laughs) pyjamas. The the trouble with Nike is, as well, they use the same designs for so Mm. many teams, which... I don't, I don't like that at all, and they don't have any. To, I mean, me, to me, it just makes you think like there's like a thousand graphic designers on Twitter who've made like prettier kits than yeah, like the Chelsea, the Chelsea one is literally a blue pajama top with the number three on it. It's it's just, it's it's like a kid has just doodled over a t-shirt, and you know there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing to it, and I thought I, I'm not sure if I saw a. If if the Tottenham one that I saw is actually a real one or not, but it was bit it was sort of the same design as that Nigeria one from a couple of years ago, that really nice Nigeria one. Yeah. But but how they've done this Tottenham one, it looks awful, which <laughs> would coincide with Tottenham being an awful club. It, but in fairness, if you as an well, Arsenal like fan, were you were you were you ever going to look at that Tottenham kit and go, you know, what, I'd buy that. Oh no, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't even be used as toilet roll in my house, but. <laughs> that's that's irrele- irrelevant. But just, just a quick one as well, in case any Chelsea fans dislike me, me like lambasting their kit as as Andy mentioned about the Battle of the Bridge game because that, that reminded me that that as a new as my boring neutral life that's probably the most into a game I've ever got. I've, I've Tottenham is a team I've always disliked purely from pushing a hundred and sixty five year old Gus Hiddink onto the floor. I'll never forget that. That was unbelievable. <laughs> I just always throw it out of there. Yeah, that that, that he, game was incredible. That game was just like you think of all the drama. Obviously, the moment, obviously that obviously won less league, but I think the game itself was really good. Oh, I've, I've watched the, I've watched the YouTube highlights so many times of that game, <laughs> and they always put like battle music behind it, like it's Lord of the Rings. This, this is why I think genuinely that I think that you know that um, Arsenal Man U nil nil when um, the Van Nistelrooy missed a penalty at the last minute. Oh, I, yeah. I, I love games that have, have, have argy bargy. I love these games have aggression. I think that nil nil is probably one of the best nil nil ever in Premier League history. That Man U Arsenal game purely for the for the, all the fighting and all the things with Martin Keown and Van Nistelrooy. That all that kind of stuff. I think. Yeah, I get it, it, yeah. Those games are, all, are always fun. Are always fun. You missed out something else in the Premier League. You missed out the race for the UEFA Europa League, um, uh, Conference League place. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's got to be the most important thing of the last yeah. day, surely. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's basically objective, but I, I think... <laughs> so next league? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the potential as well for St. Tottering. Is it St. Tottering's Tottering, Day? Yeah, well... 
be very interesting. Well, I, 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 can't, I can't see, um, I can't see Arsenal finishing above Spurs personally. But then, who, who are Arsenal playing on the last day of the season? Right. Oh, what? Yeah, with them playing Leicester, he, what's it, would also go above Spurs, wouldn't they? If they yeah. won the last game of the season, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that could happen. Actually, yeah, thinking about it, mm. well, I like that Brighton yeah. over Arsenal. <laughs> 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 well, wait, why are people laughing? Brighton, are one of, Brighton are like the unluckiest team in the Premier League. Next season, they're going to finish in the top eight. Mike, my words. Well, we'll, 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 call, we'll make sure we keep this podcast and we'll um, hold you to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, you, I think go back to Arsenal's kits. I think Adidas has been their most consistent performer these last three years, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so well, they can't do that. And Bakayo Saka, I suppose. Yeah, he's been a while. Well, yeah. Also, actually, there's um, I'm going off topic here, but I think there's a um. NFL team actually have the similar thing to Arsenal. They're, te- they're terrible, but they they always have nice kits. So I think that that's something that if if anyone's looking to get into the NFL who's an Arsenal fan and wants to support a team who gets equal pain from Arsenal that they would in the NFL team, and they get equal nice kits, then pick the LA Chargers myself. But um, mm. but yeah, we're, we're going we're going off sport here, so we're going to go into our <laughs> final league, which um, if you are, haven't realised, is going to be Italian football, which is a turn of Ryan. So take take it away. <laughs> right. So, the weekend results, there were quite a few, quite a few big ones as well, in terms of, obviously we know that the title race was done a long time ago, relegation was done pretty much a long time ago as well, Benevento kind of held on, but ultimately they weren't good enough. So really, the race is just for the Champions League places, which is still very much on the line for the last weekend. Juventus, as I mentioned last week, had a very big week ahead of them. They had a massive game at home to Champions Inter Milan. I didn't think personally that they would win the game, but they managed just to do that. They beat Inter Milan 3-2 with two red cards as well in the game. Um, it was a very exciting game to watch and very end-to-end stuff. Massive result for them. And importantly for them as well, even though the teams sort of above and around them picked up points, the only team that didn't was AC Milan. They drew 0-0 at home to Cagliari, which was a bit of a shock because the massive favourites for that game, Cagliari aren't you know, a very good team in, in all respects, but... They should have won the game, they didn't, and they've opened the door up now because Napoli won 2-0 away to Fiorentina, and Atlanta, again, in a high-scoring game, they won 4-3 away to Genoa, and they they seem to just score goals for fun at Atlanta. They do concede a lot, but they seem to pick the results out either way. Um, in terms of the other results, I mean, they're not really worth shouting about because... As I mentioned, there's nothing to play for. Uh, Sassuolo, they won 3-1 away to Parma to keep up their fantastic record. They do have something to play for in the end, last game of the season. They could potentially get the last European place away from Roma, who but they also won at the weekend. They beat Lazio in the Rome derby 2-0. Big result for them. So I mean, there's only two points separating those two positions. So that will obviously go down to the final game. But... In terms of Champions League, I think Atlanta are pretty much safe. They're pretty much there because uh, they have... 
me just double check. They've got the most points out of any of the other teams, and they have the best goal difference as well. So even if they lose, then realistically, unless Juventus scored, you know, 20-odd goals, it's not going to happen. So, But it, for the games at the weekend, Juventus and Napoli both have quite easy games. They're both, you know, a home and away to bottom of the team, bottom of the, uh, the league teams. So I expect both of them to win, but Atalanta and AC Milan, they do play each other at Atalanta as well. Realistically, the perfect result for Juventus would be Atalanta winning or drawing. And then obviously Juventus would then leapfrog AC Milan, who will then miss out on the Champions League place. But obviously, it could go any way. You you just don't really know what's going to happen in uh, Serie A this season. It's been very... um, Thingy, just yeah, exciting and controversial, and I don't think anyone would have predicted the table at the start of the season for sure. But yeah, as I mentioned, it's. I, I have a question, important. quick. I have a question, quick. Just to just as it's like just as finishing up there, just so it doesn't get lost in it. Um, obviously, there's there's been strong rumours this week of um, Ruslan Malinovsky of Atalanta, um, if it's Chelsea now. See, they were funded by the Sun, which has a bit of a reputation for not being as reliable. And this, this is fair, it's not a criticism, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not the athletic, we've got the big inside sources. Mm-hmm. But, it's still pretty legitimate paper saying that. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Must, um, Manolovsky to Chelsea. Would be a good sign for Chelsea. Yeah, he's had a good season for Atlanta, for sure, and they, they, they have a really good team at Atlanta, and they have a good team. They don't really have like a team full of top class individual players in each yeah. area. Is Gasparini all, making players good? That's it. They all work for each other and they all want to work under Gasparini as well, which is a good thing to see. And he's been there a little while now. And for him to, the job he's done with, with them has been brilliant. And as I say, they're so entertaining to watch. So for sure, he would be a good signing for Chelsea if, if they pull it off. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's the results anyway from the from the weekend. Uh, there's any really little bit of news. Uh, Oak Tree Capital are close to completing a takeover of Inter Milan from the Chinese group uh, Suning, which would be a big relief to Inter Milan fans. Um, Hakan Chow, I can never pronounce his name. Hakan Chalanoglu. Yeah, him. Remo legend. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> He's reportedly had a, quite a few offers from some big European clubs, but the biggest offer he's had is from Qatar, reportedly, mm. worth around oh, 30, no. 34 million euros a year, which is massive money for him. But I don't think he's going to go there. Apparently, he's, he wants to stay in Europe, so they say. And I hope he does, because he is a, a talent, but he is also still in talks with Milan over a new deal. And I hope they do keep him, because I do like Milan. Um, and then, yeah, the last bit of news is obviously I mentioned it the other week. Uh, Simeon Inzaghi is set to decide his future next week after being linked with both Spurs and Juventus. Uh, if they do indeed sack Pirlo, but if they do sack Pirlo, for me, there's only one manager I'd love, I'd really love to see them go and get if he leaves Real Madrid, and that is Zidane, just because 
of the you know the playing connection as well and everything is there and it'd be a good challenge as well for for Zidane especially if they didn't get in the Champions League you know he'd obviously have a big sort of rebuilding job to do and I think that'd be interesting down in the Europa League. When held in the Europa League, yeah, that was. <laughs> oh no, no, I want to see that. Would be so funny. Oh dear, he uh, would tear that. He would tear that apart. He would like, wouldn't it be funny if they got knocked out in the group stages? Oh, they like play like Maccabee Tel Aviv, and they get beaten like two one. Then it'd be brilliant. Yeah, I'm saying nothing because we could be in the competition next week if all things go wrong. So I'm. I'll say it next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that is our roundup of the leagues. So we're now going to go back to each league again, and uh, obviously all focus on one team each. So um, we're, we're going to go back to um, to France. So Alex, which team do <laughs> you want to focus on this week? So I've half cheated it. Um, I've half cheated. It's still a team. It's like a stroke team. It's not a club team. Um, with the announcement of the national squads this week. My teams are France stroke Senegal. Um, bear, right. with, bear with me. <laughs> bear with me. Because it's a very interesting topic. Now, the French national team squad got released again. Uh, we got released for the Euro 2020 this week. Um, it features names such as... Uh, yeah, such as... Goodness me, I'm always forgetting. Because there's so many players. You've got Lloris. You've got Mike Menjolin of Lille. You had Deo Open Meccano, he's been relegated to it. You got Jules Kunde, Varane. But the big names was Karim Benzema. He's been recalled. So mm. up front, France now have Benzema and Giroud, and they've also got Mbappe, and they've also got Kingsley Coleman. We, I don't need to say this too much. France have got an unbelievably talented mm. team. And they're under 21 to filthy too. They've got Wesley Fofana in there. As well as Adeo Makano's in there as well. He's in the under 21 to the Euros. So the story is that the French national team is ridiculously strong. But that's not what I'm here to tell you because everyone knows that. Everyone knows that the favourites Euro 2020. In fact, they're probably going to win it. And what I want to talk about is the knock on effects of being so good and having so much depth. Because for the, rarely, for the last couple of years since the World Cup, we've, started, we've said, like, how can France. How can France be toppled? Like how? How do we see this nation falling? And the the issue is, it's actually falling under its own weight of skillful talent. And this where my other teams come in because accompanying this news of Benzema returning to the national team is that Laporte, of formerly of France, he has chosen to play for Spain, and that's been confirmed. Laporte will be eligible to pick for Spain now. And he's not getting picked into the British national team. So he's chosen to play for another country. And that's one of the best centre-backs in Europe doing that. And he's not the only one. That's just actually been... the gro- He's just been one picture. And uh, one player, sorry, of a growing number. And this is where Senegal comes in. Because you're probably thinking, Andy, you cover league gun. Why are you covering Senegal? Well, quite a big population of France is Senegalese. Because they've got quite a good relationship with the countries. And uh, it's... A, I think it's a French overseas French territory or former territory. The point is that a lot of Senegalese footballers and men come over to France for careers. And previously that's helped France out. In fact, lots of African countries have had it. Obviously, Zidane's of Algerian descent. And there's a few other players, I think, Mbappe as well. But when you've got so many players in that French national team blocking your path, a lot of these players 
like the poor have gone, well, hang on, I'm not going to play for a national team unless I choose someone else. And thus, Senegal, which was previously basically a feeder to the French national team, has silently grown a ridiculously talented team that's genuinely up there for one of the best teams in the World Cup next season. And it's only going to get bigger and better with this recent Euro, t- um, a Euro 2020 announcement because there's still players that aren't making their French national team debut. Look at Fofana. Fofana's probably looking at this team and thinking, how in the fuck am I going to get into that? And just, I don't want to go too deep into don't want to turn all of your time, but I'm just going to tell you a few players in the Senegalese team at the moment. And some that have already been established and others that have recently said, you know what, I'm not getting into this French team, I'm ditching it. So in defence, uh, in, in defence, they've now got, uh, they formerly had Cheki Kurati of West Ham, and Kalidou Kudabali of Napoli. But recently, formerly a PSG player, Abdou Diallo, has gone, you know what, I'm not getting into this French team, I'm playing for Senegal. In goal, they've got Edouard Mendy uh, of Chelsea. Mm-hmm. In, in midfield, they have Nanfalis Mendy of Leicester, who's also mm-hmm. said, I'm not I'm not getting into this uh, French team, I'm going for Senegal. They've got Idrissa Gay. They've got a, a lesser-known player, Pape Sau of Metz, who's been one of the best players in France. He's also said, I'm not getting to the French team, I'm going for Senegal. Crepin Diatta and other players recently moved to Monaco. And up front, they've got Sadio Mane, they've got Habib Diallo and Boulardia, the players linked to West Ham. And uh, they've got um, Ismail Assar of Watford too, another player who grew up in France and is now going to play for Senegal. So it's, it's just something to look at. When you look at this French national team squad this week being announced, you think, blimey, they, they, they're just so strong. Keep an eye on it because it's looking like they're just strengthening their rivals at this point. And it's just a little argument, a little debate I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I didn't I didn't I didn't realise how many players actually had had ditched a French squad. So uh, that's really good to know to be fair. I mean, I've always thought of someone like Norway could be like a really dark horse for a future World Cup with uh, like people like Udegaard, Halland, mm. and all them. But I think definitely what you mentioned on Senegal, I think definitely got some great players in, in there. Like Obviously, Marley needs to rough his game a little bit, but I think all these players <laughs> that they've got, like Kudabali is one of the best. I don't know how he's not moved from Napoli yet. Um, obviously, people like Napoli's Mendy, I've, I've always liked him when he plays. Um, obviously, if Fafana does choose Senegal, he's someone I've been really impressed with since he's gone to Leicester. So I think, and obviously, Mendy, I think it's done a good job at times for Chelsea in goal. So I do I do think that, that yeah, I think you're right. I think with that team you've got yeah. there, I think as long as they can have like, you know, the togetherness like these teams need in the World Cup, I think certainly they could maybe not win it, but I think certainly you could see them maybe get, get into the quarters or something at, at very best. Well, well just, as a, just as the final point, they, this is why they're actually my secret hope to get a World Cup. Like, I think they're going to be the first African nation to get a World Cup, either next, the next one or the one after. And that would previously seem as a, like, a big claim, but it's not just that they've got some senior players uh, like Nanfalis Mendy and Abdou Diallo who've said oh, I'm going to play for them they're also because you've now got this wall of depth in the French team there's lots of youngsters going through and like, I don't want to list them all off but here's one the player linked to West Ham and other teams in the transfer, January transfer window player's been lighting it up Abdallah Seema is another who's just said I'm going to play for Senegal so they're, they're going to be snap- they could potentially be snatching quite a large proportion of the next French national team that previously would have gone into it, but have got Senegalese descent. So it's one to look out for. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed listening to that. One player I do want to ask you about as well, because I know that this player, although he's not from 
Senegal. He is of uh, Cameroonian descent, and that's uh, William Saliba. Do you think he could potentially do this, a similar thing? Or do you oh, think yeah, absolutely. Got... Absolutely, yeah. Because, yeah, the, again, he's got the same thing. He's looking at a French team. We can we can sit here all day and name French uh, centre-backs. I mean, at left-back, they've got two Mendes and two Hernandezes fighting for the same spot. And that's not even considering Luca Digne has been put in. So, yeah, William Saliba's uh, another. Yeah, that's mental. I mean, I mean, I mentioned Theo Hernandez last week, and I rate him so highly. But the fact he's, you know, struggling to get into that French team is just mental. Like I say, the depth that they have is just incredible. You look at Laporte, like even like he, when obviously when they won twenty eighteen when they won the World Cup, he was playing such amazing stuff for Man City. Even then, he couldn't get the team. Mm. So I think I think he's probably one of the best. I reckon one he's one of the best I can think of. One of the best. Team, people, players who've never who didn't make the, even the final twenty-five man squad of a team in a, to win the World Cup. I can't think of anyone better than him that's not even made squad. Well, just as a final thing, because I just wanted to Google it while Ryan was talking. Teo Hernandez actually grew up playing for Atletico Madrid and Atletico uh, Madrid's B team and the youth team. Ooh. So, and he's not got a national team pickup yet. So he could be another one to go. I'm playing for Spain. Jordi Alba replacement, right there. He's getting old, isn't he? So, and they don't yeah. have. That many um, fullbacks, yeah. but but it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're seeing it more and more lately. You know these players that are switching allegiances. You don't mm. you didn't really used to see it that much. I mean, obviously we had Declan Rice, obviously choosing England over Ireland, and uh, there's there's a young young lad uh, at Bayern Munich who recently chose Germany over England. Oh yeah, Musiala. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's another one. You, you're seeing it a lot more, you know, than what we used to. Yeah, it's like it's what we're happening. What we're getting is the re- the reverse. In the previous times, like Declan Rice, it was you're not going to play for the nation that's never got a chance of going to the World Cup. You're now going to play for the nation who you've actually got a chance of playing for. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Right. So thank you for Alex. That was really really interesting stuff. It was really good to listen to. Mm. Um, so our next league to focus on with a team wise is is Spain. So going back to Naim again, uh, which team do you want to talk about? Yeah, so the team I'm going to be talking about is one that you all should be familiar with, and it is Valencia. Um, mm. So, funnily enough, they're actually the fourth most supported club in Spain, um, obviously after Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. In their 102-year history, uh, the most notable trophies they have won are six La Liga titles, eight Copa del Reyes, and one UEFA Cup. Their most successful manager is um, Rafa Benitez. In his, in his three years at the club... He won two league titles and the UEFA Cup, so um, no, they haven't actually won the league since uh, since that time there in the early noughties. With uh, with Valencia, uh, they did plan in two thousand and six um, construction for a seventy five thousand new seater stadium. They they started they started construction uh, in two thousand and seven, and they hoped that it would be finished by the two thousand and nine ten season, but. As you may be aware of, um, they have been in quite a bit of financial problems, uh, which obviously has hold to this. And tragically, in 2009, when the stadium was actually being constructed, four construction workers um, tragically lost their lives following the collapse of some sca- scaffolding um, on the new Mestalla site. Uh, so the new the stadium's uh, new capacity will actually be 54,000, uh, reducing it by 20,000 seats. Back in October 2017, Valencia announced 
that um, they will begin negotiations with Valencia City Council to renew the project and complete the building process um, of their new stadium. Um, currently, it actually remains half finished. Um, I think they wanted to try and get it done by next year, but uh, obviously they're, they're still in a bit of they're still in financial trouble. So I, I can't I can't really see that happening. Um, so going going for, back as far as 2008, um, it's reported that they were in debt of over 400 million euros. Um, so this obviously led to some of the most like notable stars, such as like David Villa and David Silva, being sold to Barcelona and Man City, um, obviously to help ease the club's debt. And obviously, following the next summer, one uh, matter he was actually sold to Chelsea. So in 2014. Uh, a Singaporean businessman, Peter Lim, uh, bought the club. Um, after six seasons uh, under his ownership, uh, Valencia have actually accumulated losses of 323 million euros, uh, while the value of his biggest investment company um, lost 1.7 billion euros during the same six-year period. So, it doesn't. It's, it's not. He's not really got a good track record with his um, businesses here. Um, Going forward to the start of this season, um, they hired former Watford manager Javi Garcia. He lasted until the 3rd of May after they lost 3-2 to Barcelona. That summer also they sold Danny Parejo to Villarreal, who are now obviously in their first um, first final in the Europa League uh, coming this week. They also, uh, obviously, as you probably know, they sold Ferran Torres also to Manchester City for half his market value um, and overall Valencia in, in the last summer sold players worth mounting up to 85 million euros uh, to obviously rebalance the, the club's books. Uh, at the beginning of the season the club was unable to pay the salaries to the remaining, remaining players. So go, uh, continue on on this season, the season if this season goes the way it does and results uh, don't go their way on the last day of the season this could be the lowest uh, place finished since 1987 slash 1988 season and this will be the second season in a row where they will would have not qualified for the Europa League so at the moment yeah they're not really doing too well at the moment Valencia and yeah so it's quite it's quite uh, um, sad to see after how well they have done in the league over the recent years you know they they're usually a team that you see in the Champions League and then obviously in most recent years they've obviously dropped down to the Europa League and They've had they've had some good players over the years. Obviously, you had David Silva, you've had David Villa, uh, Pablo Aymar, you've got Raul Albiol, you've got Paco Alcacer, Juan Mata, also got you got Ayala. They've had Isco as well, to name a few. And the probably most notable one, if you remember him, is God Ramastafi. Is everyone remember? <laughs> Only too well. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they've managed to shaft um, us out of him thirty-five million uh, pounds. I don't know how that ever happened, but yeah, that's how it goes. But yeah, uh, they if they can if they can probably you know get a new owner in and sort this debt out um, with some good investment, they could probably get back to being that team they once were, like you know top four slash top five team and getting uh, far in Europe. So yeah, hopefully they can. Um, can say, turn it around. They, they they still have some real quality. Like Carlos Soler is one, you know, to name, and Jose Gaia as well. Like they have quality there. They just don't yeah, have enough just, of it. 
That's it, yeah. And then obviously where they where they kept on selling like their best players over the years, um, it's obviously it's just it's just uh, becoming more. This yeah, loss was getting a bit more thinner now, isn't it? And they're having to like rely on uh, uh, graduates from most of their youth academy and uh, yeah, players yeah. that they've got there already. Yeah, I still no. remember that Zoom call of Danny Parejo leaving. Crazy to look at. <laughs> it's, it's, the fact that they sold like nearly half their midfield to Villarreal, like that made no sense. And they sold them for so such Thank a you. low fee. Like you know, you mentioned they like they made about what 80 odd million euros yeah. like that's probably half if not more than what that the value of all those players actually Worth. were and mm. even you know, another one that another young player that they've got who in my opinion is very good now and will be world class in the future is uh, Lee Kang-in another one you know they, oh, yeah. they've got such a brilliant uh, youth setup and youth recruitment like it wouldn't be hard to to get them back up the table with with some good investment, but like I said, they need a new owner because, yeah, he's a he is a bit of a joke, isn't he? Yeah, no, I think the fans would probably want to run him out of town. So they, they are a bit of a mad bunch in there as well, the Valencia fans. Oh yeah, <laughs> was it was it Peter Lim who hired Gary Neville? Was that Matt? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, after um, Nuno Espirito Santos, yeah, he came in after him, and yeah, that didn't go too well. Upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> he owns a bit of Salford, don't he? As well, I think that's why. Um, Funny enough. What strange reason? Hey, you own this like conference team. <laughs> Come and manage Valencia. <laughs> One of the biggest clubs. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you, um, Naeem, for our little you know focus on on Valencia. It's interesting to. To, to go back to go back the days, the old days, just have a look back at you know some old times. So yeah, that was that was very enjoyable. Right, so now it's my turn. Um, going back to Premier League, the team I want to focus on is Aston Villa. Um, I think for me, I I think for me Villa have the potential. I think they have the sort of the core there. I think to really have a successful few years. Can we look at how obviously last season they? Did really well to sort of avoid the drop, obviously, on the last day of the season. Um, and I think you've got to praise the job Dean Smith done because no one expected Dean Smith or Aston Villa to get anywhere near the champs the European places. And obviously, I know it, things has fallen off since Jack Grealish has left. And obviously, that is key. If he can, if he stays, which I don't think he will, but if he stays, and I think if they can add some more players in the summer, I think Villa has the potential to 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 to, to, even to challenge for these European places. Because I think you look at how where they were before, obviously when Jack Grealish went down injured, they were in the mix for sort of Champions League, sort of Europa League. But obviously you've seen how it's fallen off since he got injured. So I think that shows sort of how crucial he is to, is to this team. And I think even apart from Jack Grealish, you've got to look at other players such as, you know, the fullbacks, Matt, Matty Cash and Matt Target, both capable players. Tyrone Mings on his day, he can be good on his day. Obviously, someone I really like is John McGinn, their midfielder. I think he's someone that's vastly underrated across the whole Premier League. I think he's really important to how this Villa team plays. I think even someone like Ollie Watkins, he's definitely he's been really quite impressive at times this season going forward. I mean, I know Arsenal fans would love to have him back at the team, but their goalkeeper signing Martinez from Arsenal, he's been a revelation, really. The amount of clean sheets they've kept and the amount of how well he's played in games. Ross Barkley, not as good as signing. He's been a bit disappointing. He's not quite had the impact that we all thought, especially after the 7-2 win against Liverpool, that when he got involved in that. I think we've got other players who won their days can show up, like El Ghazi, 
Trezeguet. I think they've got these players that can show up now and again. And even someone like Bertrand Chiore, who's come in this season, I think he's shown at times that he can be, you know, he can, he can be a good player. And I think now they've got Wesley back from injury. I think he's got to, he can add that height to their attack, which Ollie Watkins may may not offer as much as him. So I, I, I do think Villa are someone we have to really praise for Dean Smith and Villa in total. They've, they've gone from obviously Championship for a couple of years to also now being in Premier League and really. If Jack Grealish was fit, they'd be at least in the running for Champions League, if not Europa League. So I do think I have to really praise Aston Villa for how they've done this season. I think they've exceeded everyone's expectations. They've got some really good players coming through. They've got a really good sort of call there, but it all hangs on whether Jack Grealish leaves. And that's why I want to ask you guys, because I think, um, do you think he'll stay, first of all? And if he leaves, where do you see him ending up? Arsenal. Oh, we have really? <laughs> <laughs> like the unique unique thing about Grealish is that so there's a in the Premier League if you look at online statistics of things like breaking into the box or breaking like breaking into the box or either passing or dribbling. Like there's different players that sprout for each one. So like Adama Traore is up player for dribbles and dribbling into the box. And someone like Kevin De Bruyne is up there passing into the box. Grealish is what makes Grealish unique is he's one of the best players in the Premier League at both things. So whether it's carrying the ball into the box or picking out a pass into it to find a player, he's like in the top two for both. So I feel like any he, I feel like because he's English, it's almost as if we think of him as just like this rugged player who's a good, he's got a good eye for a shot and a good ball. But he, he is just like, he's just as good as Sancho, pretty much. So I think he could go for any any top six team, like United, Chelsea, whoever it is. It's just whether if they've already got an amazing player at left wing. I guess the only team I'd write him off at is Liverpool. I think United mm. did be good. Maybe mm. well, it depends where Rashford plays, if he plays up front or whatever. But City, yeah. See him at City. See, see him at Chelsea. Why is he? I don't think he'd be perfect for for Arsenal though. Like he's exactly what we need, and I wouldn't write it off. Like a lot of people do laugh about it and say, "Is it really an upgrade?" Well, it is an upgrade. Not even on, you know, we're above them on positions, obviously, but they're not even on the same level as clubs. Uh, Arsenal, are, I got a gantuan club, so. Of course, it's an upgrade for him. But and I think the issue. I think the issue. I think you're spot on in terms. Of, obviously, it would be an upgrade. But uh, all the transfer reports. Correct me if I'm wrong. But all the transfer reports I've seen of Arsenal is that they're readying a war chest of about seventy million. And I'm like, that would have been good in 2011. But like, <laughs> I think it's always understated. They went to like last season. They said we had no money to spend, and then they went and bought Pepe for seventy-two million out of nowhere. Like. They try and, when I read about this, they, they feed these things out to the press to try and obviously get players for, for less money. Obviously, it didn't work because <laughs> they paid too much for Pepe. But um, I don't know. I think the the owners are under pressure massively to, to pull off something like that. And obviously, that would be massive, not only for the club as well, but for them, it, the pressure it would take off them would be enormous. So... I'd love to see him at Arsenal, but apart from that, I can't see where else he would go. I mean, Chelsea don't need him. I don't think City do. United haven't really got any room for him at the moment. Liverpool don't need him. So where? Where I, else? I, I think a lot of teams would would find a way to put him in. I think I think personally, Man U are the team he'd go to. I think because I think they have firstly they have the history. I think City got too many attackers. They got. 
our four world-class wingers really there. So I don't, I don't know they'll go for City will go for him, but I do think someone like Manu because I think they got they got Bruno Fernandez, Martial's too inconsistent for my liking. So I do think maybe they're looking for someone like Jack Grealish who can play sort of essentially out wide as well. You say that, but like I say, they've got um, Greenwood, Rashford. I mean. All the talk for them is a right winger, mm. which obviously Grealish isn't. And yeah. with, 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 you know, I've got, got a, I've got a thought, Ryan. What about, what about AC Milan? If Charlie Hoglu leaves, playing uh, off the left, it, it would be an amazing signing for them. I'd love to see it, but I don't. I think Milan have got other targets in mind. Fair, fair. Uh, what, 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 what do you think, Naim? Where, where would you? Yeah, like, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him at Arsenal, but. I can't see us spend. He'd probably go for about, what, about seventy to ninety million, probably, and I can't see us spending that sort of money on a player like that. I'd love to see it happen, but Did yeah, I, I, I want to rule us out of that because um, it is a player that I, we, we we would need, but we need to we need obviously need to uh, spend money in different areas. But yeah, I'm just trying to think of the other teams that you could go to because obviously, like Man United, obviously there's talk of them wanting Sancho, so. Although they're not really the, the same sort of players, um, I think that kind of rules them out from going United. Obviously, Tottenham. Then, well, you, you never know. You could go to Tottenham because there was there was talk. I think it was was it a season or two ago um, that he was going to go there. But I think Aston Villa wanted too much money at the time, and obviously Tottenham pulled out. Man City, they won't go in for him. They've uh, like you guys have said, they've just got too many attackers anyway. Um, Statement signing Leicester. Leicester, they've got Madison, haven't they? Really? Yeah, but he plays down the middle. If they oh, look for someone off the True. left, mm. I mean, I think that personally, I think Greedish also he's a Villa lad. He absolutely loves Aston Villa. I think he would only leave for a massive jump. I think that would be yeah. Champions League football. I don't think he would leave for you know Conference League or no. You, I think if he's going to leave Villa, it's going to be to to a first of all big team. I think also yeah. team offers that kind of football, and I do think. That, I think that's yeah. I think that's was a great shout actually. Cause I think obviously if they get top four, they'll be in Champions League. But then maybe he'll think this might be one or two. No, no, oh, no, Andy. I think you're spoiling. I think he would want to go to like a big club that's got Champions League football. So I think that's Arsenal out of the picture and probably Leicester in it. Yeah. Would he? Would he though look at some someone? <laughs> I mean, Harry, Harry, Harry Kane is a prime example of someone who's stayed at a club for too long in Tottenham, yeah. and he's now come to the realization that he needs to leave before it's too late because another year and it will pretty much be too late for him to to go on to get a big move and obviously that's why he's now forced trying to force it through now i guess it all, I guess it all comes back down to what the original thing andy was talking about is aston villa i think oh, i was looking i was doing an end of season report on villa the other day and really their only issue is defense because such a good attack but tyra mings he's like one of the most error prone defenders in in the league I think if they sort out the defence, they could easily get into the Europa League at least. So maybe he's maybe he's just got good faith in this project. Yeah, I mean yeah. Tot- Tottenham's a shout. If if they sold Harry Kane, obviously they've got money mm. to burn then. But if if they sell him, what why would he then want to go there? Realistically, yeah, I I, I'm, I'm a, I, I don't think Spurs again is a big enough jump. I think I think I don't know. I I, I, say, I think it's going to be either, I think. Personally, it's going to be anyone. If he's going to go to a team, it's going to be a team playing playing Champions football. I think will be one of the one of the four that. Whether I don't think he'll go to where, so I think that rules we're all out of the conversation. So I do think if he's going to leave. That maybe I mean, is there, if, how if, old is he? If, if we sell, Marnie, if we sell one of one of our 
I, I don't think we will, and I hope we don't. But if we sell Mane or Salah, I mean, there, there's a gap open, especially if Mane leaves on that left-hand side. I mean, I don't know whether that will even happen. I hope it doesn't. But um, you, you, ne- you yeah. never know. You never know. But um, He's 25, isn't he? Yeah, yeah so he's still that, like... that is prime age. He's at his absolute peak. Yeah, he's, he's perhaps got another year or two at least where he could probably stick it out of Villa if he wanted to. I reckon yeah. he probably will, to be fair. Um, yeah. Again, I say I think if if someone like someone big offers him European football, I, I think he'll I think he will at some point bite bite the hand off. I think at some point I think but like Harry Kane, I think at some point he's gonna cause people like Lovar Zaha, for example, like he's be very sort of, I know his boy boy hookup is Palace and I know he got the move to Man U when he was probably too young to go to Man U at the time. But I do think he's obviously now obviously getting on a bit aged now and he's he's just never really truly trying to force his way out. And I think he's just stuck at it. And obviously he's probably made look back at his career thinking, yeah, what if I had gone to this cup and won more trophies? So I think there's that element of, you know, not doing it too late. I, yeah. I, I still think it's being written off, you know, too much for him to come to Arsenal because Pepe was written off last Never season. Gonna we, happen. Never going to happen. We were laughed at last season when we tried for Pepe because he was being linked to Bayern Munich and all these other big clubs. We then come in, and obviously, we were the only club who were offering that kind of money. But if we've got that kind of money then to spend, as well as giving him big wages, I know, I, I know it would happen if, if he was offered it because he's already spoken before of, of you know, he likes Arsenal. He like you know, he lo- loves playing at the Emirates. He's good friends with Saka as well. So I, I'm going to save that little clip, what you've just said, Andy. And I'm very confident. I mean, they're only six points clear of Arsenal. It's not like it's a. The table, yeah, not but it's not. Much. It's not. You can't look at it like positionally wise. You know, it's they're, they're not. They're not even on the same scale as. I bet you a hundred pound he doesn't move to Arsenal. <laughs> Ryan, who's won more European cups? They might have done. You know, not on a Forest have won a Champions League, but they're irrelevant. No one. Yeah, they're a big club in Arsenal. No, no. Bloody hell! Arsenal are the I can see You can hear Ryan malfunctioning. They are the Arsenal, the third biggest club in English football, and I will never ever hear anyone say that. That's that's a big statement. That's a big. Who's who's bigger? Who's bigger than apart from United, Chelsea? Yeah, no, no, Chelsea. Nah, not Chelsea. No way. You know, United, Liverpool are. What are you saying? Bigger on? Big as like bigger as a club, like not just as a history, but. Mate, you do realise like, half of Asia supports Chelsea? <laughs> so does Ars- half of Asia supports Arsenal? I don't, I don't think it's that clear. No, 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 no. Like, I don't think it's like 50% Chelsea, 50% Arsenal. No, but <laughs> Arsenal, you know, Ch- Chelsea have been relevant for the last, what, 16 years? Yeah, Who'd, but you got to No, one, got no think, one cared about them before then. Arsenal been irrelevant for the last 16 years. Lille have been relevant what, for one year, and I'm quite, I'm more of a fan of them than any other club. You got, you, you're underestimating how there's fickle people can be. There's a, there's a word for that. I think it's called glory, Hunter. No, it's called plastic. Plastic. That's a great way to end our Premier League um, um, team roundup. So we're going to go to our final final league. Which is um, obviously the turn of the clear, clear, clear Arsenal fan we've had. We've realised today, uh, Ryan. Um, who's your team in Italy? Ryan's an Arsenal fan. Is he? Oh, I don't know. Surprisingly, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Go on. No one else knows. Um, my team this week is La Viola in Fiorentina. Um, obviously, spoken about them on a few of the other podcasts as well about how they've had a 
really poor season. But ultimately, I'll look at just a couple of years ago. Uh, in 2019, club was sold for 160 million euros to Italian-American billionaire Rocco Camisio. This, in turn, ended a 17-year association with the Della Valle family. And in his first season as the owner, he hired Vincenzo Montella, a name synonymous in Serie A. And it didn't go well. He was sacked after a poor season, you know, season before last. And, yeah, with the like, you know, this season, it hasn't gone any better for him. The likes of Frank Ribery and Borja Vallejo have not made any difference to the club whatsoever. And they've sort of been in around the relegation places all season, but they have managed to stay up. And that is down to one player and one player only. And that is Dusan Vlahovic. He is Serbian forward. And he has 21 goals this season, uh, which is almost half of the club's entire goals. They've only scored 44 goals, which is... Absolutely mental, considering the impact that he's had. Like, you take him out, they would be going down, no question. But looking aside from that, apart from him, obviously they had Federico uh, Chiesa. He's gone to Juventus now. And they lack quality in so many areas, and they need a big rebuild job. This summer, obviously, will be a big one for them, depending on what they do. Perhaps they'll use funds from a potential Vlahovic sale, because he is being linked Interestingly, to Liverpool and AC Milan, and along with a host of other top European clubs. But Milan in particular want him, according to reports. But a deal will ultimately be proved hard to uh, hard to do because obviously Fiorentina they do have a very very rich owner, and they don't want to sell him. They know how good he is. They know how good he can be, and ultimately probably will be. And they want. It's, they reckon it between 50 to 80 million euros for him making a deal this summer probably unlikely but although his contract though does expire in 2023 meaning if he doesn't sign a new deal this year we could see him move on next year maybe in January or in next summer's window which would be in line with a few other strikers as well talk about Erland Haaland as well if he doesn't leave this summer then it'll be next summer for sure and he's another one as well who could get a big move, especially if he goes on to score, you know, those kind of uh, numbers again for this season. But moving away from him, uh, Frank Ribery, obviously player nearly every football fan knows. His future is up in the air. Uh, his deal comes to an end this summer. And I'd be a bit surprised if they offered him a new deal. I think at the moment they're sort of humming and harum whether to give him a new deal, but... I don't think they should. He hasn't been good enough this season. He hasn't contributed enough. And he's had moments of little brilliance here and there. He always scored some, you know, crackers. But, you know, players like him, Borja Valero, who I mentioned a minute ago, Alexander Cochran, Jose Callahan, Martin Ceseres, you know, these are players who are too old, not good enough, not good enough for where they want to be and where they should be as a club. Because they are a big Italian club. They have a you know great history, you know great fan base as well. So I'd like to see what they do in the summer. Whether they put all their eggs in the one basket with Flahovic, they keep him, build around him, maybe, which for me would be their best option. Or maybe they sell him and try and bring in you know some better quality in other areas where they need to improve. But 
it'll be a big summer for them and definitely a club that I'm going to sort of keep an eye out in the transfer window on. Yeah, interesting. I think um, I think I think at the moment I think with um, it's going slightly off topic, but I think obviously one thing that's big at the moment is like vintage kits. Yeah, I think one one of the best I've seen is Fiorentina with Nintendo as a sponsor. Oh, that's a brilliant kit. That is that is actually one of the best bit like nineties kits I've ever seen. In like you know, I think classicfootballshirts dot com that kind of website. I think I don't think I've seen many better sort of. I think they have. The colour purple is a great colour, I think, first of all. So I think it they makes have, a nice kit. So say, uh, they've had so many good players. Mm. And, and something else that's also slightly off topic. Um, despite Ryan's brilliant pitch there about Florentina and Dusan Vervich, um, I hate Florentina for personal reasons. Um, third, Story time. Yeah, the second time I played um, football manager, uh, I, I chose <laughs> I chose Florentina, right? But this is this is like... The first time I played it, I chose Watford and I lost eight games and got sacked. I never played it for like two years. <laughs> but I chose Fiorentina and I had I, I kind of knew what I was doing. I took him with Luis Murillo on loan. I took him to third in Serie A my first season. I was like, let's get the cash together. Let's let's spend it in. I think I brought in Sabala. Vahovic was doing great. Brought in mm-hmm. a couple of other good players. I brought in uh, Thiago Armada. And then I went to register my squad. And then Serie A only lets you register three <laughs> foreign players. So I had to bin the entire career off. And ever since then, I've, hate, I've never chose Serie A again. I've hated Florentina. <laughs> I mean, I, I play football manager a lot myself as well. And I know exactly where you're coming from. And I mean, I don't like to manage Italian clubs for that reason. But <laughs> I, I, I do like Fiorentina just because they are an historic club. They're a bit similar to... Obviously, now you mentioned them earlier in Valencia. I think they're very similar clubs in that normally they're around the top sort of six, but they've had poor seasons. And you look at where they both are now, like they've both got a massive year or two ahead of them in, in terms of where they go. But you know, they've definitely got the money for Argentina to, to now turn it around, but it's whether they, whether they do so or not. Um, on Fiorentina, one last thing I want to say. If anyone's listening and can find me, an authentic, like not a fake, a real Fiorentina kit with Salah on the back when he was there. Please DM me. <laughs> I, would, I would love to find that shirt somewhere, like a Salah throw, you know, a Salah shirt. Was it, do you wear like something like seventy six or something? I think he wore like a really high number of Fiorentina. I don't think he wore ten or eleven like he does now. I, I was this in the days when they had Stefan Jovetic up front scoring mm. banger after banger? Uh, yeah, tormenting us in the Champions God. League. Yeah, um, he, he he wore seventy four. Yeah, that, yeah. So, so someone can find me a Salah seventy four Fiorentina purple kit. I found you one already. <laughs> is, is, is it real? Because I know someone wants it's so niche. Case. It is. It is real, and it is actually on sale, Andy. If you want it, it's gone down from fifty quid to thirteen quid. That shows you the season that they've had. Thirteen? Is, like, <laughs> is it some sort of like kids shirt or something? That's thirteen quid. <laughs> it is. It is an authentic um, kit and. It's an adult's kit as well for me to well, just you, you, you check. Think, we've got to think, it's like, in our head, that sounds really rare. It's like, oh, salad kit for me. Yeah, that must sound rare. What it really is, is that it's the remaining shipment order of the Fiorentina 15-16 season, <laughs> and they're just printing salad on the back of every shirt. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you think there's none left, really? They're trying to get rid of them. 
<laughs> oh, I got to tell a story while I'm here. I remember I went, I went to watch. Um, I think I went. I was living in Bristol, 2018. I went. I went to the pub to watch um, England Croatia. Past this guy, right? He had an England shirt on. He had Deli Ali on the back with the Premier League font on the. Oh. <laughs> it was the worst. Because Ali, like Ali Seven or whatever number he wore for England, and literally it was like in Premier League font. And I was like, oh my god, this guy's an absolute idiot. So if you're listening, you're an idiot. But I don't think he will be. But you never know. I mean, having Ali on the back of any shirt is bad enough. But <laughs> yeah. he was he was in good he was good he was in good form back then. I I I I, I can see why. But it's like I bought been I bought Binho Brazil shirt about a month after joining Man City. <laughs> that's, that's a regret as well. So has anyone yeah. seen Deli Ali recently? He looks he like hair he, is terrible. He, he looks like he's like he stayed inside during all of the pandemic. Like he's this is his first like moments and in the light. He's, he's trying to summon his inner rude hiller. That's what he's doing. He looks like he's trying to sell me weed. <laughs> <laughs> he, he might be soon if he doesn't sort himself out. <laughs> I think he's been too busy twi- twitching, isn't he? Or something? He's been too busy playing Fortnite and Twitch or something? Or Call of yeah. Duty, I think. He's probably not even good at that either. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently, the best uh, Call of Duty player in the Premier League is Carl Walker-Peters, I've heard, on a podcast. Really? Yeah, apparently he's the best, one of the best. I think he's. I think Jota's the best FIFA player. He won some tournament against oh, Trent Alexander-Arnold last season. But I think, from what I heard, I think Kyle Walker-Peters is the best Call of Duty player in the Premier League. They should. Right. They should do this in their mum. Like in before pre-season and after the end of the season, they should just have like they should just Twitch stream like the Premier League FIFA tournament. They should have all the footballers go against each other. Oh, they, they did that last season. They did that with um. I think it was yeah, it was this issue was Jota against Trent in the final, but they had like I think a Premier League, a player from each Premier League team, I think, in this tournament. I've got a feeling they did something like that. But I know the final was between Trent and Jota. <laughs> it's Trent and Jota in the final before we moved to Liverpool and it was like thirty seconds after right, Jota, I've got thirty seconds, mate. Right, we really need you in the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you've already some like sequel like, on the on the dashboard on the on the on the private <laughs> chat on the thing, you're like, Come on, mate, cop watch you. I think I'd rather see it see a game sort of a FIFA between two nutcases from the Premier League instead of Aww. two really good players and just see them absolutely go at it throwing controllers at each other after the game. You can have Neil Moore Pie or Gwen Doozy. I'd like... I'd like... Um, I'm trying to... Uh, two, uh, that'd, be, that'd be a good last question. Two players in the Premier League you'd like to, play, you'd like to see play FIFA against each other. I was going to go with Daniel Marty against Mason Mount because they oh. had, it, had it each other the weekend. But I feel like they're both probably actually quite nice. So you probably mm. you, you probably want to go with... I, I'd want to go with Timo Werner against, like, Neil Mopé because you know every goal they score, they're going to celebrate as if they scored in real life. <laughs> and then it's just going to piss the other person off. Uh, One yeah. thing I'd love to see, I'd love to see... I know they're ex-Premier League players now. I'd love to see Luis Suarez against Diego Costa. Oh. <laughs> that would be the best. Like, you know, they'd get so competitive, I reckon. It'd be so, like, it'd be so loud. It'd be so just, like, whether that's Call of Duty, whether that's FIFA, I think that, that would be amazing. Or Suarez v Ivanovic. Oh. If it, if it was two current players, it would be Thiago Silva against Sadio Mane for me because they've both got a bit about them. I think I'd get a bit tasty. That's such a weird link. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I don't think we'll see it anytime soon, but you never know. <laughs> what about you, Naeem? Who would you have? Two current players you'd love to see play each other on FIFA? Hmm. 
Judging by the Leicester Chelsea game the other day, probably Rudiger and um, who did he? Who did he? Who was he um, holding up the other day? Um, yeah, oh, he's oh. Hold- Oh, who was it? Was it Tielemans or someone else? I wonder, yeah, I think it was one. No, Ricardo, was it? Pereira, that was it. Yeah. Pereira. <laughs> I'm going to see them too, yeah. That's for the, that's, that's, that's for the bands. <laughs> and I'm going to go for one last thing. I'm going to go for, I think the prize is, um, I don't know what, what's going to prize be. The prize, I'm going to go for Andre Gray against Oxlade Chamberlain, who can be, be a better, who, who can win the, the stakes as the, the father to be. Of a little mix, <laughs> it's like who, who can win the best diapers? Who can win the best, like you know, West the best baby stuff? No, they should make the pro- they should make the prize a Europa Conference League spot. spot. <laughs> <laughs> no one else wants it. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that'd be if if you made the spot a Europa League spot, right? Then let's say let's say I don't know your your Van, your Virgil Van Dijk you're injured in September. Klopp turns to you up. Virgin, you're not coming back until May. So what you want to do? I want you to get in front of the PlayStation. You're going to sweat <laughs> this out, and in the summer you're going to get us in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think I think Allison's done that. Isn't it? I think Allison. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's probably the man to the end of the season. But anyway, we, we digress. Um, that is that is the end of our podcast for this week. I think it's been a really good one once again. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be going back next week. Our plan next week is to do a podcast where we all choose. Our worst team of the season from our respective leagues. So obviously, I'll have my worst Premier League team season. Team of season. Alex will have the worst league earned team of the season, and so on with Ryan and Syria and Naeem with La Liga. And what mm-hmm. we're going to do, we're going to have one player from each position. So we're going to have a goalkeeper each, a right back each, centre back each, left back, and we're going to at the end of the poll, we're going to put a poll that on Twitter, and we're going to let you guys decide who the worst overall combined European team this season is and we'll let you know in the podcast afterwards who's won. So keep 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 tuned for that one next week because we'll, we'll do that for you next week. And yeah, we will we'll look forward to seeing you next week. That's all from me and that's all from them. Arrivederci. Goodbye.